morning, good morning, good morning. You see a she, we're gonna jump into Eric, but before we do, like I said, we're in a Daniel fast, so we don't wanna just talk about changing our eating habits without addressing um, some things, because what we're doing is we're blending um, our food and, and our prayers together, okay? So somebody say this with me, so I'm gonna repress the flesh. That's what you do when you fast, you repress the flesh, you, you pull away from certain things so I can release my spirit. Okay, so your spirit can pray, have clear channels, and, and get directly with God. So what this sheet is, last week we went over what we're asking God for, and this sheet was given, but we also brought a new one. Some people said they messed theirs up. Some people said that they needed to reevaluate. So get your pens out, because as Eric comes, we also want to blend it with the Word of God. Amen? Now, let's read 2 Samuel 7. This 2 Samuel 7 is just a phenomenal chapter um, in the Word because it really is, shows relationship between God and us. It shows relationship, how God will send people to minister to us and how we have to respond. It shows an interactive relationship. So 2 Samuel 7, what we did is we pulled a couple scriptures from 2 Samuel 7. If you have your, um, if you have your sheets filled out, just go with me. I just want to make sure that we we read these verses and we explain what the sheet is so that if you aren't fasting at the top of the year, which a lot of churches do and a lot of people are doing, if you are fasting, use this as a tool. If you're not fasting, um, use it at another time, but you still, you can still get a prayer through without a prayer, I mean, without fasting, right? Some things come out, the Bible says, with through prayer and fasting. Some things break, but some, but we always are going to make sure we pray. So 2 Samuel chapter 7, let's look at verse 17 and 18. Now the books, the chapter starts off with, um, um, with David coming to the prophet Nathan, and he's saying, look, I have this great idea. I'm going to build God a temple. I'm, I'm living in this beautiful temple and this beautiful house and this beautiful estate, and I haven't done anything for God. I'm going to build God, God a house. And so the prophet Nathan, because it sounds like a good idea, the prophet Nathan says at the beginning of uh, 2 Samuel 7, yeah, go do it. I think you should. You know, God's been, at this point, the Ark of the Covenant had been moving from tent to tent. The church was like a tabernacle, a temporary location with like what we're doing, the temporary location. But he said, that sounds mentally, it sounds like a good idea, so do it. And then when he went home, it says that the Spirit of God visited Nathan, and Nathan, God told Nathan, he said, hold on, you just saying okay to stuff that I may not have said okay to, okay? So slow your roll. So he said, hold on, let me tell David a couple things, and what I'm going to do is David's not going to build me a house, and I, I respect his good intentions, but his son is going to do it, okay? So this is what David, just Nathan had to come back to David. Okay, have you ever had a pastor or somebody come back to you and say, uh, about that talk we had, let me, let me uh, add some addendums to it, okay? So 2 Samuel 7, 17 and 18, it says this, Nathan came back and reported to David all the words of this entire revelation, everything that God said to the prophet Nathan. Nathan came back and told David, and I love David's response, as it should be all of ours. Then King David went in and sat before the Lord and prayed. Okay, he didn't just get the word and say, okay, cool, I'm off the hook, I'm going about my business. He went in and sat before the Lord. Now, when it says he went in, that means he sat in God's presence. What prayer is, a lot of times we think prayer is, the reason why prayer is often boring to us or whatever, is because we think we just go in and talk to God and we leave and we're just like, okay, I guess that's what I was supposed to do. You know, I had a friend who used to pray and say, hey God, this is Barry, my social security number is 224 And I was like, what are you doing? He said, well, I don't come that often, so I figured I should give him my social security number so he knows who's I, who I am. And I'm like, no, 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 God knows you. You don't have to do that, okay? So David went in 
and sat before the Lord. So that means that he said he went in and decided to listen to what the Spirit of the Lord was saying to him. And then further down in 2 Samuel, after sitting and listening to God and talking to him, so it's meditating and prayer, it says on the right side of the page, what more can David say to you, Lord? He had already been praying to the Lord. He said, for you know your servant, sovereign Lord, for the sake of your word and according to your will, you have done this great thing and made it known to your servant. So your servant has found courage to pray this prayer to you. So there's some prayers that we just don't have the courage to pray. But after we go and we sit before God, right, Naoe, we get bold, we get strong, we get willing to say, you know what, why am I praying down here prayers? You know, Lord, let me get a parking lot. Remember that was popular in the 80s? Lord, I'm going to believe God and get a parking lot. You know, I'm just going, you know, I can ask God for anything random. You can ask him for that, shoot for the moon. Isaiah 7 says what? He said, ask for the moon. Ask for what it is, you, what is in the bottom of your heart that you haven't yet verbalized. And that's why we're fasting. We're fasting to, number one, repent, and we're fasting, number two, to say, Lord, there's some stuff I need only you to do. I can't do it. So on this form right here, last week, what we said from you, the beginning of the page says the word from God and the listening. The word from God could be a message that you heard. It could be somebody coming to you and saying something. And then it could also be you really hearing God say this to you. You're like, I don't know if this is true, Lord, but I felt like only God could tell me something like that. Some of the stuff that you know, you couldn't have come up with that. Only God could say that to you. And then the listening is what God has either said to you during the week in prayer time or that he's going to say to you in the coming week. Some of you guys have your sheets filled out. If you don't have your sheets filled out, leave space to hear what God is going to say to you, okay? And then on the right side, the courage to pray. Let's just take a minute and think with this beautiful music playing behind me, right? <laughs> Let's think about a prayer that we need courage to pray. Because we're going to listen to what Eric has to say about how to cleanse our body. And I'm going to tell you one thing. You could pray the biggest prayer in the universe, but if you're not healthy to live a life, you're never going to be able to experience it, right? I mean, that's just real. You got to be alive to live it, right? Okay, you just got, I mean, that's just common sense, living one-on-one. -on -one. You got to be alive to experience it. No point in being wrapped up in the bed sick and you can't experience life and life more abundantly. So what is the prayer that you need courage to pray? Just something I need, and it may not hit you right this minute. But it might hit you in a minute. And then if you already have your sheet work out, work, uh, filled out, we have in agreement next to it. That means that I sit here and I could say, you know what? I have courage to pray this. And I need somebody to stand with me and say, you know, can you just believe God with me that this can actually happen? Because sometimes we say it's too late, it's too big, it's too crazy. And we just, we just write it off, right, Byron? We just say it's too late, too big, too crazy. And we just don't do We don't pray it. And God said it's right there. All you have to ask, Joshua asked for the sun to stop. That's big. That's crazy. And I, it may be a little late for that. You're the, you know. But no, I'm going to ask, okay? So in agreement means I'm going to go to Naoe and I'm going to give her my sheet and say, I wrote this prayer down. Can you sign off on it and say that you stand with me in agreement? So that means if ever I come to your mind, you start praying that I'm going to get what I said, Okay have the courage to pray a crazy prayer, a crazy prayer, a crazy prayer. And then you get people to stand with you, not people to say, I, I was thinking yesterday, you never just been walking through the house and you're thinking like, or you're praying and kind of thinking, praying, talking or whatever. And I was getting some about the, uh, the um, 
um, refrigerator. And I was thinking how, like, when I was in my 20s, I told somebody I wanted to memorize chapter Psalm 119. And it's the longest chapter in the Bible. And I remember being in, I, re, I got a visual of me sitting in the church I was at at the time. And I was on the back row with this friend who's now gone on to be with the Lord. And I told her, I said, um, I want to be- memorize Psalm 119. She said, you can't do that. I said, why? I said, it may take me a long time. I said, I've memorized John 1. I've memorized John 3. She said, you can't do it, Teresa. It's the longest chapter in the Bible. It just doesn't even make sense. And I just remember at that moment, I had a decision to make. Will I take what she said and be in agreement with her? Or will I go with the original courage to pray and say, I think I can do it. My Aunt Bunny memorized half of the book of Job. I don't know how she did that, but she said she used to just do it while she was cooking and just say it, read it, repeat it, and she did it. So here I was standing in the middle, and this is the thing. Don't get people to sign off on an agreement when they don't have no faith or they, they don't believe you're big enough, smart enough, or God is big enough or smart enough. You need to go to people and say, no, can you believe this crazy thing with me, Neely? Like, for real, can you go here with me? Yeah, I think I can go there with you. I think do it. You can, you can memorize it. And I remember that I told her when I walked away, I'm going to still do it. But that seed of doubt was there, man. I was just like, well, maybe I can, I don't know. Or I'll just put it off to the back burner. But it always lived with me. You need people to be in agreement with me. Girl, if you want to memorize that, if you want to take that trip, if you want to do that crazy thing, if you want to X, Y, Z, A, B, C, I'm standing in agreement with you. So Eric's going to come. We're going to turn it over to Eric, okay? And then um, and Pastor Darrell's going to say something before. But if you want to, while he's talking, some of you just getting healthy is a courage to pray. That's, I'm real. <laughs> I was listening to this guy talking about, he was like, he's like a, a workout guy. He was like, I love Doritos. I need to say that as much as I don't eat them. He's like, I love being healthy, but my heart is dedicated to Doritos. They just don't love me. <laughs> he's, like, he's like, but when I almost died, I had to let the Doritos go. The love affair had an end, right? Is that real, Eric? You know, so there are some things that I love, like being on this fast, repressing myself. I asked Neely to drink a cup of coffee for me since I was fasting, and she said, no, she wouldn't do it because she doesn't. And I'm like, I just need to see somebody drink it so I can get happy on the inside. I was like, okay, Jerry's got my back. Coffee is something you do with people. I was just like, you know, I was like, can you just drink some on my behalf, you know? But I'm willing to release my spirit so that my flesh, you know, repress my flesh so that my spirit can get something from God, okay? So a lot of people start off the beginning of January fasting, and we're going to fast, and we're going to feel good, and we're going to get in touch with the Lord. And I know one of the biggest mistakes I made in 2016, I was like, I'm not doing it. I don't care. I don't feel like fasting, so I'm not going to do it. And I just feel like my whole year was off because of that one decision. God's like, give me that first couple weeks to get yourself on track. So we are so grateful for Eric to come. Any questions on this? He would come leaping up. Okay. But um, think of a courage to pray. And can you come up? And we're just going to take a moment to pray. Because I really hope that you can get something and get the courage to pray. So if you are fasting now, and if you're not, you will be able to get that breakthrough. So, so let, me just, let me just say, let me just add on to what Pastor Teresa is saying. Um, when we are fasting, it's not just food. It's not just food. Well, I'm, a, I'm a big chess player. I love to play chess. And I'll play anybody, anytime. And if I get beat, I'll go back and try to learn from them. Uh, it's rare that that happens. But <laughs> no, but, <laughs> but I play on my phone all the time, and it's sort of meditative for me. So it's, it's just kind of a, like I pick up my phone and I do it. So the fast started Sunday. And I, on Monday, I picked up my phone, and the Holy Spirit said, what you doing? I was like, I'm 
playing chess. Oh no, you can't play chess. I'm like, what you talking about? The Lord's like, you can't play chess. You can't feed your flesh. That you're feeding your flesh. The TV show. We stopped watching the story of us. We don't know what happened to Toby. We got to find out what's going this on with. Oh, this is us. We got to watch. We don't know what happened to Toby. Stop watching Blacklist. Uh, elementary. Can't watch those things. I don't even think I finished Luke Cage yet. So, Because we're fasting. You're denying your flesh so that your spirit can be put in a position to be used by God. God's trying to use you to do something, not just for you, for somebody else. So Facebook, uh, social media, music you're listening to, the shows you're watching, I mean, if you're on this fast with us. And in the future, for those of you who, who are fasting, that's what a fast is. If you're just doing food, it's just a diet. Amen? That's it. It's just a diet. So um, I, I, the Lord had put, before I introduce Eric, the Lord had put something in my heart really quickly. Um, and, and I just wanted to, to speak to it. I don't know who I'm talking to. Um, the Lord is in the process of pruning, circumcising. He's in a process of circumcising, circumcising those of us in the body of Christ. So in the process of pruning, right? So, for instance, we used to have a worship team. We don't have a worship team anymore. I used to pray and sing on a worship team. But God's going to bless us with a worship team. But he's in the process of pruning. So he prunes the dead leaves off the dead branches. But he also prunes the good so that growth can happen. Whatever's going on in your life, he's pruning you. Whoever I'm talking to. He's pruning you. So it may look like you're not going forward. It may look like it's not happening, but he's pruning so that this other growth can happen. And not just some fruit, much fruit. The scripture says much fruit after the pruning. Okay. Amen. Amen. All right. So let me introduce Eric Givens. Uh, I met Eric actually through uh, through my in-laws. I was looking for a martial arts class. I met him and his wife. They were taking martial arts. Um, he's known my wife for years. He calls her uh, something that she, she <laughs> a nickname from way back in the day. But he's a certified um, massage therapist. He's a certified um, instructor, personal trainer, and he studied Chinese medicine. And he's going to come and talk to us about several things regarding our fast he didn't want me to say too much information about him he wanted so i just those three things but i just wanted to know he he has the capability to come and talk to us about our fast and the foods that we're eating so let's give him a round of applause <laughs> you need water thank you for that introduction daryl and uh for those of you that don't know me and some of the other people here, we grew up calling Teresa Little Terry. And if we say that, we say it affectionately. Just like Christ has many names, some call him the Prince of Peace, some call him Savior. He has many names, but we say that affectionately. So if others don't know that name, that's because that's what we grew up calling uh, Sister Terry. I want to thank you for coming out this morning. I want to thank them for having me here. Um, when I came, I had some things to say, but I try to move in the spirit and listen to what's being said. And what I heard Terry say was, if you don't have health, you don't have much else. And that's something that I've believed from a very early age. Um, growing up in the church, 
I see many friends and family here that I grew up with. We grew up in the same church. And over the course of my life, I tended to look at life from a balanced perspective. We have a mind, a body, and spirit. And when I grew up in the church, I saw lots of people that were way up here spiritually. But physically, they were way down here. Then I became a bodybuilder at one point in my life, and I did a lot of natural bodybuilding and other things related to health and fitness. And I saw a lot of people that are really fit. They spend hours and hours in the gym. You know, they worship yoga, they worship Pilates, whatever it is they were into, but they're they were here physically, but their spirit was down here. Then, of course, we're pushed to go to school and get educated. I went to school, I went to college. Um, thanks to my mom and my dad and other people in my family who encouraged me and actually was the first person in my family to get a bachelor's going back in our family. When I was in school, I started out as a math major and then I was a computer science major and I changed to psychology. And especially when I was a math and computer science major, I saw a lot of people that are very intellectual. They were way up here, but spiritually they were down here or physically they were down here. What I found by around the age of 20 is that a lot of people are great at certain things, but it's very few people that are balanced across the board, mind, body, and spirit. And from what I know from the Bible that we all were talking about, that's one of the things that I believe God wants us to be is balanced. That's one of the things I think the way Christ approached life. Um, and one of the things I was going to, one of my themes, I don't really want to be behind the table, but I might go back here for a second. Um, so the reason I'm here is to empower you. That's the main reason I'm here is to empower you because somebody empowered me. I don't believe I'm here for myself. I believe I'm here to help others. So that's kind of where my heart's coming from. I don't really want to talk from my head. I want to talk from my heart. And after we finish, we're going to, I think, have Q&A. Um, what my theme was going to be, they had 3 John 2. And I looked at the scripture and it says, I'll read it from the King James. It says, Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health, even as thy soul prospereth. Talks about health there. Now, um, some years ago, I set it upon myself to read the Bible, actually in high school. And uh, this Bible is the Bible I had in high school. So it's a little worn. But when I look at third epistle John it's only one chapter I would go through the Bible and I would highlight things that were important to me at that time when I look at this chapter that the pastor Daryl and Teresa have chosen for your text the thing that I highlighted was the 11th verse which says beloved follow not that which is evil but that which is good he that doeth good is of God but he that doeth evil hath not seen God and the way I want to tie that into what I'm going to talk about today is our health system. Our health system today, people might start out with good, but it's become evil. And the reason it's evil is not because of the people that work in it. If any of you here are nurses or doctors or health professionals, it's because of what drives the system. It's what drives most of the things in our society, and it's money. And money, if you love money, you won't be true. You won't do what God would have us to do, which is to promote health. What our society does is not uh, proactive, it's reactionary. 
the way our system is designed is to fix people after they're broken instead of encouraging people to stay healthy throughout their life. And the reason they do that is because if we can keep you on this, this, and this, you'll have to keep paying us this, this, and this, instead of saying, hey, why don't you just change your diet? That might alleviate 60% of the problems. And from what I've seen and from what most people I've worked around in health and fitness, going back to people I've studied like, um, how many of you are familiar with Kellogg's cornflakes? Okay, the cornflake family from what I understand, was a Christian-oriented family. And the reason they invented what they invented was because they had some guidelines that they used from the Bible as far as some of the things that they created, as far as food. When this country was being formed around the 1900s, uh, a lot of things were being broken up. So say you're a wheat grower. You grow wheat, they would strip this part of the wheat out, say the germ. Um, some of you probably have heard of wheat germ. Wheat germ comes in the wheat that God created, but it got stripped out for different purposes. Because you can sell the wheat germ, and then you have the flour that you make from the wheat, and you give that to people. It's, it's not as coarse. It's clear. It's bleached. But then what do they have to do to the food? They have to refortify it because they took out the nutrients that God originally put in the, the food. So Kellogg was one of those families who was trying to do things good with food. There was Bragg, and then a lot of people heard of Jack LaLanne. They're all from the same era. As we move forward, um, things got more and more separate. It got more and more isolated. A lot of us come from the South, where my great-grandmother and great-grandfathers, they grew their own food. Some, some of our grandparents grew their own food. Uh, the soil was different then. People didn't eat as much meat, which is something I will talk about here. A lot of the reasons um, people of color didn't eat as much meat is because we didn't have as much money. <laughs> now, the, iron the irony of that is that was probably a healthier way to be. <laughs> but as we got more uh, affluent and people have more money, they want to do what other people do. So if they have a steak three times a, a night or a week, I'm going to have a steak. Well you get into some of the problems that we have in this country. And before I ramble on too long, I'll just say this. There are diseases of deficiency and there are diseases of excess. Western countries tend to have diseases of excess. And those diseases of excess are diabetes, stroke, high blood pressure, cardiac problems, and cancer. Countries that have diseases of deficiency are countries like Africa, South America, where people are poor. And they have diseases like cholera, dysentery, things like that. But if you ask yourself this question, how many people do you know that have cholera or dysentery? Nobody, because we have cures for it. But those countries don't have the money or the resources to get it. So thousands, if not millions of people die because they don't have the resources or the money. And I'll caveat that into where we're headed. I've been saying this for over 20 years. The onus in America is for people to take care of their own health because you can't really rely on the government to take care of your health. A lot of people are worried about this Friday. We're going to have a new administration. People are talking about health care, if, if they're going to have it or not. Um, they probably really need to be focused on, on trying to stay healthy so you don't have to go into that system. So... My question, if I didn't already ask it is, and this is my theme, is are you worthy of health? That's a question you have to ask yourself. 
And Terry was talking about um, Psalms, I believe 119, and how she wanted to read the whole thing. You have to believe that you're worthy of help. And that requires you sometimes thinking out of the box and doing some things that other people won't do. In my particular case, I'll briefly tell my story. If Joan can come up here for a second, please. Joan is my mother. I didn't call her mama, but that's what I call her. But her name is Joan Givens. <laughs> now, to give it some context of my life, when I was in the sixth grade, my mom's 5'2", my sixth grade graduation pictures, I'm right here on my mom. In the eighth grade, I was right here. I did all my growing between, thank you, thank you, mom. I did all my growing between the sixth and eighth grade. I still wear my ninth grade graduation shoes, size eight and a half. Some people grow later, especially guys, but by that time in my life, we had moved to an area called Carson. And if you're from this area, Carson has a lot of Samoans. If you know anything about the rock, Samoans are big people. I wanted to play football very bad when I was 10, 11. I tried to play um, uh, midget football, and they told me, you're old enough, but you're too light. Then I tried to play Pop Warner football, which is what you play, or junior band, and what you play right before 10th grade football. They said, you're old enough, but you're too light. Now, my mother, who I love dearly, she kept telling me, there's nothing wrong with you. You're fine. But by that time, I didn't believe her, and I started lifting weights. And um, I have a copy of the first Muscle magazine I bought. This is in 1977. This was the first magazine I bought, and I started to study this whole thing called bodybuilding because I wanted to gain some weight. And um, I didn't gain a lot of weight, but I got a lot stronger. And by the time I was 16 or 17, I made a, a vow to give up some things. And the thing that I gave up that year in the 11th grade was soda and candy. I never went back to drinking soda, but I still like candy and sweets. That's just what it is. And uh, I'll talk about, that's not so important. You guys are on a fast. When you fast, it's not just physical. It is spiritual and mental. Because in order to achieve things spiritual, uh, physically, it's a mental challenge. That's really where it starts. And I've worked in the health industry for many years and I've seen many people that come to the gym usually this month of the year this is the most popular time in the health and fitness industry people make resolutions over and over and over again you ask yourself why do you have to keep making resolutions over and over again it's because you didn't make it part of your life to begin with if you did you wouldn't have to continue to make resolutions um, you might have to tweak some things but it's a lifestyle that you have to embrace um, and fasting sometimes can help you kickstart into something else. And not only that, God will give you clarity or vision sometimes when you get other distractions out of your life, whether it's the cell phone, the TV show, the music you're listening to, the shoes you buy, the purses you buy, the hair products you use, the people you hang out with. If you can fast and get rid of some of that, some, some of that stuff, God sometimes has a clearer channel to talk to you and show you what you really need to do, oftentimes for your health, not only physical but spiritual. So I had said I was going to talk about scripture briefly. They asked me if I had some scriptures, and the one I want to talk about or the few that I want to talk about 
How many of you believe Jesus and the account of Jesus? I'm sure everybody would say yes. But I juxtaposed that question, and I was going to ask, depending on the audience, how many of you don't believe Jesus or the account of Jesus? Some people might not believe. What I want to talk about has nothing to do with whether you believe or you don't believe. Because the people that wrote the Bible, there's so many miracles that are recorded that Jesus performed. It's roughly 40. And if I was to ask you, how many of those miracles have something to do with health? How many know? How many do? It's roughly about 80%. 80% of the things that Jesus is recorded doing in the Bible has something to do with health. So if a woman had an issue of blood, he cured her. If a man couldn't see, he helped him see. If a person was crippled, he helped him walk. If 4,000, 5,000 people were hungry, he fed them. Why does Jesus use physical things to, to convey a spiritual message? Because when your physical stops, everything else stops. That's the reason. So that's why I think health is such an important thing. I've seen people sick. I've seen people come to the gym after bypass surgery. I've seen people who don't even pray, pray when they get sick. So from where I'm sitting, it looks like God has us in a, a quandary where if something happens with your health, you call on the name of Jesus, whether you believe in Jesus or not. <laughs> so um, I found that the scriptures will also tell you how to live healthy. You don't have to be as sick as we don't have to be as sick as we are. But a lot of it, it involves us taking the responsibility of taking better care of ourselves. And that's kind of hard to do in this society, but it can be done. Now, what they may or may not know is that I was going to give my own personal testimony. My personal testimony is my mother can tell you this. I'm always saying oh, I don't get sick, blah, blah, blah. People like us, we don't get sick. Well, in late October, early November, I was um, getting up for work. It was a Monday or a Tuesday, I think, and I passed out. I passed out in the bathroom at about 5 o'clock in the morning, and I was on the ground like this. And I had turned the water on before I passed out, and when I woke up, the water was, was hot. So I assume I was down there for at least a minute, and it was a sweat stain on the floor. I didn't know what was wrong with me, but what I will tell you is the day before, my leg was itching quite a bit. And I kept rubbing, and it was a little red, but it wasn't that bad. So I went to bed, and that next morning, that's what happened when I woke up. Not like me at all. I don't pass out. I don't get headaches. I don't. Actually, when some things do happen to me, I get more nervous probably than other people because they don't happen to me enough. But I knew something was wrong, so I called uh, my job the guys I was working with and told them I wouldn't be in that day. I immediately got on the computer, and because I have some background in health and fitness, I started researching what was going on. So that morning, that itch on my leg was a bigger circle of red. And I had a red spot. I started looking at my body. I had a red spot over here. I had a couple of red spots in my lip, and, my, and I had something by my eye. But I noticed that it was bilateral. Medical terms, that just means it's on one half of my body. So I thought, well, this hurts. I feel funny. I guess I have a fever. Maybe it's the shingles. So let me tell you my shingle story. 
if you don't know anything about shingles. I learned about it in school. Yeah, in school they call it the cat of nine tails because they say to have shingles feels like the whip that they beat Jesus with when they wrapped it around his body and pulled it because you tend to get it around your ribs. And it's a very painful thing. So where did the shingles come from? They're in the same family as chickenpox. Okay, so my chickenpox story is when I was in my second year of college, I have younger siblings. They had chickenpox. And I asked my mother, hey, mama, have I had the chickenpox? And she said, yeah, I think you have. She had forgotten I'd had the mumps and the measles. She didn't remember I didn't have the chickenpox. So at 19 years old, I got the chickenpox. So when you have the chickenpox, the shingles virus is also living in your spine. And it can come out at a later point in your life, which is where I'm at right now, <laughs> a later point in my life. So instead of going to the doctor, which I probably should have, or the doctor that most people would think, because of my background, I thought, okay, let me, I'm going to go see Dr. Sabi. Dr. Sabi is an herbalist healer who passed away last year, but I had had some conversations with him years prior. And... Um, I went to his clinic and talked to some of the people there and said, I believe I have shingles. They said, look, this is what you need, these two tonics and these five pills. I took my $400 out of my pocket and bought that stuff. It was a 30-day supply. I took it for seven days and also changed my diet to what they said I should change it to. And in seven days, the symptoms were gone. My wife has friends who have this illness right now. They're younger than me. And they've experienced it for two, three months. And they've opted to go the regular way, which would be to go to the doctor and get some kind of antiviral or something like that. Now, I take that as a sign that Dr. Sabi must know something. I, God is always working, and I thank God for that. But also, the way you approach things has a lot to do with how you get healthy. And from what I know, from what I've studied, and just looking at scripture, God didn't make us to be sick. He made your body to fight things and to stay healthy. The way our system looks at things is instead of fostering the body's ability to protect itself, doctors like to give you a lot of stuff that they're doing. Okay, you've got this problem. I'm going to mix this and mix this and give this to you and see if it works. My mother-in-law just had a stroke last week, and uh, she's okay. She's okay. Thank you. But she had a stroke. This was her second stroke. She's 93 years old. We went to the hospital, Kaiser, last Saturday. And um, they gave her a real strong drug to block the clot. So she didn't really lose her speech, but she was starting to lose her speech. Uh, she's back home now. But while we were there, we were talking to the doctor on a computer screen because I guess they're understaffed or that's the way they do it now. There were nurses there with her, but there was no doctor in the hospital that could help her. So, and then my wife's cousin had an issue a few months ago and we had to go to the hospital with her and we waited for five, six hours just to see somebody. So if any of you've been in the health system, you've been on the other end of a doctor, it's not a place you wanna be when you're hurting or when you're really sick. Hopefully you can stay healthy. But what I wanted to say about uh, the shingles is I got rid of it 
regimen seven days, and I stayed on that eating regimen for an additional 16 days. And uh, Dr. Sabies, I'm going to talk about three things that are probably the main causes of most of the diseases that we have in this country. And they are inflammation, high pH or pH problems, and um, the third one, I don't know why I'm drawing a blank, but the third one is uh, free radicals. Yeah, free radicals. All right. I'm going to try to give everybody an example of what these things are. So if everybody can stand up, plus it's a make it not so much like a classroom. I want whoever you're standing next to, I want you to grab them around the wrist. Grab them by the wrist and squeeze as tight as you can. No, that's the whole point. I want you to squeeze their wrists as tight as you can. And the person whose wrist is being squeezed, I want you to tell me, is it comfortable? It's not. Okay. That's what inflammation is in the body. A lot of times our body and our organs are inflamed because of the things we put into the body. Now, the thing is, this is only like 20 seconds. Because of what we eat, your body's in a state of inflammation almost constantly not a good thing pH I'm gonna try to explain pH from say temperature if uh, the pH scale is acid alkaline our blood is supposed to be at about 7.4 which is slightly alkaline 7 is the neutral on the pH scale not acidic not alkaline all of you know what acid is most people know what acid is the acid in your stomach is one of the strongest acids it is. It's, I think it's under two point, it's like one point something. Stomach acid will burn through a lot of stuff. So you can see if a person has an ulcer, why it's so important that they get it corrected because those acids are supposed to stay confined to the stomach. If they get out of the stomach, they'll burn through your flesh. Um, so our blood is supposed to be about 7.4, which is slightly alkaline. It's not too acidic. But a lot of the foods that we eat tend to have our blood more on the acidic side. So if I was going to try to explain that, I would say it would be like if Pastor Darrell was to turn the temperature up in here to about 120. How long would we want to stay in here? We wouldn't. We wouldn't want to get out. We'd be irritated. That's what's going on with your body as it relates to pH. You can look at it as like temperature. It's a, a state that it shouldn't be in. It needs to be at a more climate or mild position. And the last thing is free radicals. Okay, free radicals, uh, we go back to chemistry. Um, all electrons and atoms, or all, uh, all uh, neutrons, protons, electrons, or cells, if you will, the atoms, they have electrons that go around them. And those electrons are supposed to be paired. If they're not paired, they're what's called free radical. And the best way I can explain that is say, for instance, this room is a cell. We'll call it a cell. And in your cell, you have different organelles is what they call them. Your mitochondria, your reticulum, ribosomes, whatever it is that's in the cell. When you eat certain foods and you have a lot of free radicals, it basically means you have a lot of electrons that are bouncing around. 
So say, for instance, you guys are all sitting down. Me and Daryl are two free radical electrons. A free radical electron is one that's doing this, knocking this table over. Bam, bam, bam. You get it? Now, the way you contain free radicals is by eating antioxidants. Antioxidants, for the most part, come from a lot of our fruits and vegetables. If you don't eat a lot of things like that, I know some people that they don't eat fruits and vegetables. They eat hot dogs and hamburgers and Starbucks. They don't eat any fruits and vegetables. They don't even drink that much water. In the cell, you have something called your DNA, deoxyribonucleic acid. Your DNA has your code for everything in your body. If I'm a free radical and I bump into this part of the DNA, and this part of the DNA is responsible for cell growth, and the cell continues to grow because it doesn't know when to stop growing, we call that cancer. That's all cancer is. It's a cell that doesn't know to stop growing. So, yeah, it's rebelli rebellious. So if this was liver, say this cell is the liver, and I just messed up the cell, that one cell in the liver that's supposed to stay as a liver cell, now it becomes a out of control cell that's gonna become a tumor. I used to be liver, but now I'm gonna be tumor. And I'm gonna, you got more free radicals messing up some more cells, so some more of us are gonna become cancer. And cancer has the ability to move because if it metastasizes, it's usually going through your lymphatic system. Your body's taking these cells to other parts of your body and then they can mess those up. So if you're an oncologist, a doctor who studies cancer, the way you treat cancer here for the most part is by radiation and chemotherapy and sometimes surgery. However, if you notice most doctors, when someone has cancer, what's the first thing they tell them to do? Change your eating habits. All of you know this. The question that most people should ask is why are you telling me this after I have cancer? <laughs> why didn't you teach this to me and my children and all the while we were growing up? Because the medical system is not designed to do that. Most doctors have about one semester of nutrition, which is also asinine, for lack of a better word, <laughs> because when you deal in biology, you live dealing with biological systems. And if you talk to a veterinarian and you take your horse to him or your dog, they're gonna say, what are you giving your dog to eat? What's your cat eating? What's your horse eating? What are they digging in the ground? What are they eating? But when you go to the, our doctors, we're humans, they don't really talk too much about what you eat. They might, but they don't talk about it till after you're sick. So for people in my field, we tend to preach this stuff all the time, but it's hard sometimes to get people to really listen to it. Now, I did bring some handouts and some stuff from Dr. Sabi's um, clinic, but I'll tell you three or four things that are kind of key. When I was talking about people not having as much money and eating meat less, that's the way you want to go. Uh, my great-grandmother used to make greens and a little salt pork, but it was predominantly greens we ate. Or she made black eyed peas with a little this, but it was predominantly black eyed peas that we ate. You want to eat more like the vegetable. Vegetables and fruit, not so much protein. Now, one of the books that I will make reference to is called The China Study. It was written by a guy named Colin Campbell, and Colin Campbell worked for the FDA 
and he conducted some of the largest epidemiological studies throughout his career. And an epidemiological study, all that is, is he worked for the FDA, so in this 20 or 30 years that he worked for him, they might send him to the Philippines. Hey, see what's going on with those kids in the Philippines and why so many of them have this or have that. He would report the data, blah, blah, blah. Send them to South America. Hey, see what's going on with these people. He would report this. Send them to Tennessee. What's happening over there? He reported. What he found in his years of study, and he didn't release this until after he retired from the FDA. Most people that have the diseases of diabetes, cancer, and heart problems, they eat more than 10% animal protein. All the populations around the world that tend to eat less than 10% animal protein don't have the, the diseases that we have at the rate that we have. It's a much, much lower rate. So there are many people in the health and fitness world that know this, but you don't see those commercials on TV. If you watch TV all day, all you see is Prilosec, uh, Nutrafil. Uh, it's like it's all pharmaceuticals. That's all it is. So what we try to tell people is cut down on your meat. I don't say don't eat any meat, but try to keep it under 10%. And a simple way to look at that is if you have a plate, divide the plate into, say you divide it into quarters. One quarter might be salad, one quarter might be beans, one quarter might be brown rice, one quarter might be a yam, and then maybe you cut half of that quarter into maybe an eighth, and that could be a little piece of chicken or a little piece of fish. But don't have it the other way around. Now the other thing that's real important is a lot of the food that we eat is not really food. If you can't pronounce something, it's more of a chemical than a food. Um, if it's not greens, black eye peas, string beans, this is a peach, this is a nectarine, this is an egg, this is a piece of chicken. But if it's like, if it's like Kraft macaroni and cheese, that's not really a food per se. And a lot of people live on that kind of stuff. If you have it every so often, it's not going to kill you. But if you have it all the time, it's probably going to make you sick. And when I was that age, we went to McDonald's maybe what? Once every quarter or once? Right, my mother cooked, praise God for that. <laughs> right, so if you can cook it yourself, you'll probably be doing yourself a big service, a good service, and try to stay away from processed things. Um, Top ramen are no, terrible. And a lot of college students, that's what they live on, usually because they don't have the money. It's cheap. Right, right. Yeah. Right, right. So I just, this has been my prayer and it's been my on my heart to do this kind of stuff for most of my life. I was a member of Faithful Central for a while. I wrote a business proposal for Bishop Omer back in, 2000 to have a gym facility there at the church similar to what um, Eddie Long has or uh, T.D. Jakes I believe he doesn't Jakes does so I figured okay I've been around the church most of my life many people that are involved in the church they're there two three times a week if Bible study kids usher practice kids choir rehearsal women's meeting men's prayer retreat or whatever, they're there. So I said, Bishop, because this is a problem in our community, especially blacks and Latinos, 
why don't we have a facility where people can come, don't have to worry about gropers in the gym because it's probably somebody you go to church with. It's right there at the church. Your child is in choir rehearsal. You can get your exercise in and go home. It's safe. Uh, maybe the fee could be less, and it could be something that helps the church. He didn't see the vision at that particular time, but I looked on their website recently, and they have a senior exercise class, I think, three times a week. So that's a step in the right direction, but that could happen in all of our churches. You know, it, it would help our people be healthier. And, you know, you want your father and mother and your grandparents to be around. You don't want your parents to be gone when you're 15 years old. I have friends. Uh, my sister is a lot younger than me, and one of our friends, he died of a heart attack at 40 a couple years ago in front of his 13-year-old son because he was too heavy. Um, I've had lots of friends that have passed and or sick. I have friends that I've grown up with, that we've grown up with, that are on dialysis right now. Um, and they've talked to me over the past eight years, and I've pretty much gave them the same spiel I just gave you guys. But they didn't take charge of it, and now they're going to dialysis two or three times a week. Um, cousins, family members, people we see in the media, entertainers that, you know, go the wrong way. So that's pretty much most of what I had to say, I believe. I just want to make sure I didn't miss anything. Uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. Um, the thing you want to do is you want to look at things in moderation. And the books I'll talk about a little bit later, but one book in particular I do want to talk about is The Blue Zones. And um, I have some handouts for everybody. The Blue Zone is uh, a guy named Dan Butner, and he went around the world, and he tried to find, thank you, he tried to find places where people live into their 90s and or 100, and they're healthy, not just living to be 90 or 100, but they're healthy. They still get around. They still do things. And the five places that he's found in these blue zones, Costa Rica, Okinawa, Japan, Sardinia, Italy, Loma Linda, California, and the Greek Isles. Now, you ask yourself, why is Loma Linda in that list? And I'll tell you why it appears that that's the case. Once you get the paperwork, kind of look at it. Basically, he's come up with nine points that all of these people seem to have, no matter where you go in the world. And some of my friends might look at number, I don't know, six or seven. It says something about alcohol. Yeah, wine. A lot of my friends know that I don't drink, but when I saw this, I thought, well, maybe I should start having a glass of wine once a day. It might help me. Uh, red wine, yes. Right. So if you look at those nine things, hmm? yes, that's absolutely right. There, there was drinking in the Bible, and I believe that was Jesus' first miracle, was to make some wine. At the party, <laughs> right? <laughs> At the wedding party, right? So if you look at these, if you look at these nine things, I'm going to go, I'm going to read them real quick and go over them. Okay. Number one, 
move naturally. The world's longest lived people are constantly nudge, constantly nudged into moving by the environment that surrounds them. Every trip to work, to a friend's house, or to church occasions a walk. Okay, I'm the person who, I do a lot of different things. I'm kind of a renaissance kind of guy. I'm remodeling the guy's house right now. And I had to build a garage for him. And he has a Harley Davidson, so he wanted this garage. And he's like, hey, brother Eric, uh, I'm going to get a garage door opener. I said, no, I don't get a garage door opener. Just open the garage. <laughs> I've always been that kind of person. Don't get something that's going to cut down on your movement. Remote control, great invention, but you know you can just stay on the couch. You don't even have to get up. But when I was a kid, you had to go get the trash can. You had to lift the garage up. And let's not even talk about when my grandparents were kids. They had to go get the water. Yeah. I, you know, they had to walk to go get the water. So all those things kept you the way God intended you. Convenience is great, but it can be, when it's too much of it, it leads to other problems. So most of these people in these places walk. And in our country, if we don't have to walk and get water, what do we call it? We call it the gym. We call it exer exercise. Get into some kind of exercise. Um, and exercise doesn't always have to be what you think it is. It can be you got a grandchild and they need to get 20 minutes of sun every day. Put them in a stroller and walk every day. It could be um, you like golf. Go play golf maybe two or three more times a week if you can. Walk in your dog. It can be um, painting a room that you want to paint. Or it could be working in a garden, which is something I discovered here lately. Working in the soil is good for your, is good for your soul. If you're in the dirt, uh, it's sometimes it's hard work, but it's good for you. It does something for you. And a lot of people say this. I have an uncle that passed away. He was a pharmacist. My father was a pharmaceutical technician, and we knew a lot of the African-American pharmacists in the city. One in particular's name was uh, Mr. Randolph. Mr. Randolph, he had a pharmacy for years. They came from Texas, too, I believe. When he passed at 96, when I talked to his son, Larry, his father had been prescribing medication for 40 or 50 years through his pharmacy, but he didn't take any himself. <laughs> he worked in the garden. He tried to stay off of the prescription. Some of us here know some uh, pharmacists. They go by the name of Arnold. It's a whole family of pharmacists. I don't think they take too much of that medication that they sell. But people need the medication. Don't get me wrong. But they know enough to know I don't want to go down that road. It's probably not the healthy way to go. So number two, we're going to look at uh, purpose. In all of the blue zones, people say they have something to live for beyond work, what they describe as why I wake up in the morning. Research shows that a sense of purpose is worth up to seven years of extra life expectancy. Okay, so in the church, we talk about know your purpose. You need to know your purpose for living. It can't just be work. It can't be material things. It can't be money. That's not... That's not going to get you anywhere. Um, there was a rich guy. I think his name was Steve Jobs. You may have heard of him. His company invented a computer called Apple Computer. He had lots of money, but he had pancreatic cancer. 
And he spent a lot of money, I'm sure, to find out how to beat that. You can get sick. I'm not saying people don't get sick. Uh, Michael Landon died of pancreatic cancer. There are certain cancers that are better than others. Pancreatic is not one of the ones you want to get. The church where I grew up, my pastor's wife, I believe she had cancer in the brain. It's not a cancer you want to have. Some are a little more treatable, like uh, breast cancer. They made some advances, skin cancer sometimes, uh, sometimes prostate cancer. Others, they've made better advances. But, yes, thank God. And they're making advances in the other areas too. But you don't want to only focus on perhaps the way the doctor tells you to treat yourself. Adhere to what they tell you, but do your own research too. And maybe you can find out some things that might help you. So having that purpose is is really important. If you don't have a purpose, you can see if people lose their zest for life. It happens a lot when people uh, are married sometimes and their spouse of sometimes many years passes away. Sometimes people, they don't have a will to live and they die. It happened to uh, someone a couple weeks ago, Debbie Reynolds and her daughter, apparently. So it's important that you have a purpose um, to keep you to keep you going. And it's important that you find what that purpose is, hopefully while you're young. Now, the next number three is downshift. Okay. A downshift is basically slowing down. Basically, long-lived people have developed routines to shed stress. Okinawans take a few moments each day to remember their ancestors. Adventists pray, Icarians take a nap, and Sardinians enjoy a happy hour. Okay, the Icarians are the people in Greece. The Adventists are the folks from Loma Linda, California. And Sardinians are in Italy. Now, I can say a little bit about Adventists because my wife was raised Seventh-day Adventist and her mother, who is 93, was raised Seventh-day Adventist as well. Uh, she's from the Dominican Republic and Seventh-day Adventist missionaries went to the Dominican Republic in Haiti, I believe, in the teens because she was born in 1923 her father had been an indigenous person who practiced some of the indigenous healing and medicine but he changed his ways he was converted to christianity under the seven-day adventist faith now the big difference with seven-day adventist and many other christian faiths is they put a lot of credence on the sabbath the old testament talks about the sabbath and they believe you need to stick to the sabbath but they also believe you need to eat the way the Bible says you should eat in the Old Testament. Now, that's the one crux that separates them from all the other Christian denominations and is probably the reason that they made this book. Because a lot of their parishioners are vegan. They don't eat meat. Um, now, I'll tell you this because I have personal experience. That's not always a good thing because some of the substitutes that they eat they have a lot of salt, and you can see some fat seven-day Adventists, blah, blah, blah. But by and large, the fact that they don't eat meat has afforded them a lot of more longevity. And not only longevity, but longevity with some semblance of health. So that's why they made it out of all the other communities in the United States. That's the only thing he could find, um, which it ties back into diet. That's the theme I want you to try to get today. And then uh, number four, 80% rule. Okay. In Okinawa, 
In Japan, Japan's Okinawan Blue Zone, people remind themselves to stop eating when their stomachs are 80% full with the phrase harahashibu. If Americans adopted this rule, they would lose an average of 17 pounds in the first year. Now, when I read that, it's just a tradition that they have in Okinawa where they stop when they're about 80% full. Now, I learned that you should eat slower. When I was trying to gain weight, um, I was told by some of my family, everything that I do naturally is the things that are keeping me skinny. I need to eat faster <laughs> if I wanted to gain weight. But I've always been a slow eater. Um, chew my food, blah, blah, blah. These folks, they stop at about 80%. What they've also learned, and this is true from science, that it takes about 15 or 20 minutes for your brain to realize that your stomach is actually stretched as far as it needs to be stretched. So if you're a person that eats fast, your stomach might already be full, but you won't get the signal for about 15 minutes later. So if you're still stuffing your face, you're probably eating way more food than you, you need to eat. So that's, that's a little tidbit. Number five, plant slant. Okay, beans, including fava, black, soy, and lentil, are the cornerstone of most centurions' diet, which also include relatively small amounts of meat. So all these people, for the most part, eat some kind of bean, whether it's lentils, black beans, pinto beans, kidney beans. They eat a lot of beans. Most of the South American countries eat beans and rice. Most of the African countries, they eat some kind of bean or pea. Um, in Israel, I eat a lot of lentils. I ate a lot of garbanzo when I was doing that 16-day fast. You can get a good amount of protein from beans. If you combine them, just combining, uh, you can combine amino acids. Rice and beans give you, for the most part, a complete protein. A lot of us, a lot of people don't eat beans anymore, or it's not something that they think of eating. But that seems to be a staple for a lot of people that are healthy. Okay. Number six, this is the one I was talking about, wine at five. People in the blue zones, even some at Venice, drink alcohol moderately. I'll say moderately and regularly, one to two glasses a day with friends or food. Moderate drinkers tend to outlive non-drinkers. So for my friends that know me, I've been a non-drinker my whole life. And when I read that, I thought, oh, Maybe I should drink a glass of wine with friends and family because it's not just the drinking. It's probably who you drink it with, the way you feel when you drink. There's a difference between an alcoholic and having a, a moderate drink. Right. Exactly. Right. And our pastor used to say, there's some people that take the scripture, drink ye all of it, and use that <laughs> as their motto for drinking a lot of alcohol. Yeah, Pastor Hill. Thanks for that one, Pastor Hill. Um, number seven, the right tribe. Social circles support healthy behaviors. Okinawans, for example, create a, uh, they call them MOAs, group of five friends who are committed to each other for life. That's something they do in Okinawa. Um, there's some people here that have been friends for life, pretty much. I see a whole group of us right here. Those are all important things. To have a social network of friends, people you relate to, people you've known, people that know you, people you can be honest with and sincere with, it helps you. And especially as you get older. I have an uncle, my great-great-uncle, her great-uncle, 
the bus station on Arlington and 54th is named after him. He worked from 1924 to his retirement in 2006 without missing a day of work. His name is Arthur Winston, and he was my great-grandmother's brother. They came from Oklahoma years ago. And um, the saddest thing when I interviewed him when he was 97, the saddest thing was he outlived his wife, he outlived his children, he outlived most of his friends. But the thing that he that kept him going, apart from his purpose, is he started to hang around with younger people. So he was 97, but all of his buddies were 50, 55, 60. You know, people that were younger. Oh, Mr. Winston, Mr. Winston. That kept him going. And I helped him uh, pass his driving test when he was 98 or 99. He was still driving. And he needed a little help on some of the new rules about breathalyzers and st stuff that he wasn't familiar with. Oh, yeah, keep it moving. Now, I'll, I'll say this little thing, too, about health. My experience is when you want to tell if someone is healthy and fit, probably one of the single most important indicators that they're healthy as they get older is their gait, the way they walk. If you know someone that's 60, 70, 80, 90, 100, if they walk or if you see somebody in their 70s and they're starting to walk different, that's a good indicator that maybe they're not as healthy as they could be. But if you meet somebody that's 90 years old and they walk like this and they come shake your hand like this, they're, they're healthy. They're probably healthy. Um, so keep moving. Keep moving. Something I used to tell my clients all the time. I would have clients and I'd say, you can just watch people. Watch. Terry, what's your daughter's name? Grace. Okay, Grace and all of her friends. When they sit down, they bounce up. No problem. No problem at all. 30s, you still, you get up off, okay? See, people in their 40s, they get up off your couch. When they start doing this, and then get up, that's how it starts. And they get in their 50s and 60s, and they start leaning. That's how it starts. What's happening is your body's getting weaker. Your knees are getting weaker. Your legs are getting weaker. So by the time you get to your 70s, Hey, baby, help me get up out of, the, out of the couch. They need help. But if you're that young person that stays like Grace and you always get up, you probably won't lose it. But if you start succumbing to these things, then you tend to get weaker. Now, one thing that I do, and we were talking about things that you can do on a daily basis, I tend to walk upstairs two at a time still. Even though it's hard sometimes, it doesn't matter if I have a light bag or a backpack, I'll still do it. The reason I do it is I'm trying to keep my legs strong enough to be able to do it. Um, one thing you don't want to happen, um, I saw my father ill with cancer. And what happens is when people get sick, they lose a lot of strength. They lose a lot of weight sometimes. If you don't have a lot of strength to begin with, you're in a world of hurt when you have to use the bathroom or take a shower. You don't have any strength. So, and this is important, especially for women too. A lot of times men have more upper body strength, so they can kind of suffice. But women, work your upper bodies too, because if you've only relied on your legs, which women usually have strong legs, um, sometimes stronger than men, but don't neglect your arms because you don't neglect any part of your body male or female, just try to keep everything tight. 
You hear people talk about core strength. The core is the thing that connects your lower to your upper. So if your abdomen is really, really weak and you need to move because you have a cast on or, you know, you stubbed your toe or you had surgery, if this is really weak, you're at a, a big disadvantage. If you have some strength here, it helps you. It's almost like having an internal girdle. It helps you. Without it, you're in a bad state. And let's see. Right tribe. Number eight, community. Research has shown that attending faith-based services four times a month adds four to 14 years of life expectancy. Amen. Amen. The choice of denomination doesn't seem to matter. Okay. If you have faith, if you have belief in God, it's something that helps you. It helps you spiritually, it helps you mentally, and it helps you physically. Um, there's community there. There's hope there. There's com camaraderie there. There's similar belief there. There's lots of things there that you benefit from. And it's not always spiritual. Sometimes it could be physical. The fact that you're around other people, the fact that you eat together, the fact that you do things together, these are important things. And the last thing is loved ones first. Successful centurions in the blue zones put their families first. They invest in their children with time and love, and children care for their elders. Additionally, having a life partner can add up to three years to life expectancy. So if you have family, that's an important thing. It is an important thing. Sometimes you get mad with your family, you get tired of your family, but it's still your family. So try to learn to love them and embrace them. And the good thing about friends is it's not family. Your family, you don't get to choose. Your friends, you kind of do. So hopefully your extended friend family can become your family too. All these things are important to longevity and health. And the reason I pointed this out is because I could talk a lot about don't eat this, don't eat this, do this diet. That's really not what it's about. Health and fitness is not about depriving yourself all the time. It's about changing your your outlook on life and it's a lot of things it's almost like christianity um christianity sure i can tell you the ten commandments don't lie don't cheat don't steal don't covet don't bear false witness but those kinds of things don't necessarily draw people to christianity it's the other things love those people that despitefully use you help the poor visit the sick those are the things that people see and like wow that's interesting that they do that even though this is happening to them those are the things that make the difference in the long haul and with health and fitness it's the same thing it's not about being a uh, jack lalane jack lalane did the stuff that he did to show people that it can be done you can be 60 years old and handcuffed and have 60 people in 60 boats behind you and you can swim a half mile. He did it not because that's what a 60-year-old person should do, but he did it to show people that it can be done. Just like when Terry's talking about, yeah, nobody can read, memorize the 119 Psalms. Well, yes, yes, I can. You have to kind of believe bigger than yourself. You can't let anybody limit you. And I believed bigger than myself. I'm not a big person. One of my one of our friends, uh, she's not here today. But her husband used to play for the Clippers, and he's about 6'10", probably about 300 pounds. And he's known me for a long time, but 
some of my friends call me Little Buff. And apparently he asked his wife, why do y'all call him Little Buff? And uh, she said, oh, because he used to be a bodybuilder. So she sent him some pictures from when I used to compete. And he's like, oh, okay. I see why you guys call him Little Buff. I used to compete and I have some pictures, but you can't always tell the kind of shape that I'm in with my clothes on. And he couldn't tell because I'm a smaller guy, kind of like Daryl. But I was in the Hall of Fame down at Venice and I did a lot of powerlifting and bodybuilding. So when he saw those pictures, he's like, oh, I get it now. So you don't have to always show or flaunt but if you have something that's positive that's going to help your health, it'll shine through and it'll keep you going. So that's all I have to say. I hope that wasn't too much. Thank you.